Hello, and welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing, and I hope you enjoy today's program. Hello, I'm Marlo Thomas, and welcome today to Downstage Center. I'm here with a wonderful, terrific actress, Lisa Emery, that I share the stage with every night and relatively speaking on Broadway. This is fun, Lisa. We're going to talk to each other over the radio. (laughs) I like this. Uh, Well, let's get started because we only have a half hour and there's lots of wonderful things I want to know about you that I I should know all this stuff. But I, I don't know. When did you first get bitten by the acting bug? I was not. Um, one of those kids who really wanted to act, although I have a dim memory of my mother putting my sister, my older sister and I, in an acting class when I, I think I must have been four or five because she wanted us to get have poise. <laughs> but all I remember from that experience, really all, is this cool little blouse that I got to wear and the smell of the theater. It was just like an old barn somewhere out in the country and it was just a gorgeous smell. Well, where was this? Somewhere in Pennsylvania. I think it was in Germantown, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. so then you liked it? Mm, no, I don't remember anything really about it except how good that theater smelled. And then I didn't really have any interest at all until I was in college. And then you got into the theater? So. And then I kind of, I wanted to paint and I stormed out of the oh, the art studio because I... Because I was so bad at it, <laughs> basically, and I was being told how bad I was. And I went into the theater and I watched a class and I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew it. I watched them and I just – I changed my major that wow. day. For me, it happened when I was just a kid. I was around eight years old. I used to go to the studio with my father, Danny Thomas. He was making a a movie with Margaret O'Brien, who was just like two years older than I was. So on the way in the car, I would cue him on his lines. Yeah. And he would say to me, oh, honey, you do that every bit as well as Margaret does. And so I I was just so in, you know excited because I was, I was actually useful to my father's work. Yeah, and he thing. was telling you that you were good. That I was good at it. Yeah. And um, – Anyway, I, I uh, would go to the set and, and watch them rehearsing the scene that we had been queuing in the car. And, oh, I just, you know, just fantasized. You watched your dad and Margaret O'Brien rehearse the scene. Yes. Oh, well. I would watch them rehearse what we had uh, done in the car. And yeah. it was, oh, I, I think I was a little bit jealous for sure. I wanted to be the one there doing it. Of course. It, but I also just loved the magic of it. Yeah. You know, the fact that we would do it in the car, then they would rehearse it there, then it would get better and better, and then they would put it on film, and 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 everybody would get quiet, and the mic boom would go into place, and the bell would ring, and then this magical thing would happen. Oh, I just just was enthralled with it. And then when I started working as an actress, I mean, in college as well, my parents came to see me in all the plays that I was in. And my mother said one night, my dad got in the car with her and said, oh, God, I know she's got the bug. I can feel it. <laughs> and um, and then they came to see me and everything. But it was, yeah, I think you know it. You, you just feel it. Did and you feel like you were really encouraged I think by uh, your parents? Uh, yeah. I was encouraged to express myself. I, I don't think my father wanted me to be an actress. I mean, I know he didn't. He was afraid. He said, and you're so smart. You could be a governor. Yeah. He never said the president, but a governor. I could have been a governor. But uh, I think he was afraid. He had a rough time in his early years. And 
He said he didn't want to relive that with somebody that he loved. I think it's harder for women anyway. I think I can understand a dad being yes afraid for it, his it, daughter it was going harder for women it. in those days. Yeah, too. definitely. Well, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I think I think today there's more support for career women in those days. More support for career women, but also. I don't know, that sort of sleazy aspect of it. They can't really get away with it as much as they could. Right, exactly. When I first came to New York, I mean, the sleaze aspect was pretty intense. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like what? Tell us. Oh, God, I remember going in. I was so desperate for a job, let alone an acting job. And I saw, I don't know where it was advertised in The Voice or something, something for like a come and um, be a receptionist at at an art gallery. And then when you got there, it was really an audition for a film with somebody who is quite well-known, who is producing, directing it. And I said, well, gosh, I want to do this too. And they said, well, that's great. Come on up. And I was asked immediately to remove my clothes. Oh, my dear. (laughs) Wow. What year was this? It was in 1979 or 8, probably. Oh, my God. That's so oh, late. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. In the se- late 70s. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe it. It was... It seems uh, late for that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That does seem late. I, mean, I would have thought that would be more in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> no. Kind of liberated yeah. people after that. So yeah. um, uh, I have some pre-show rituals. Do you? Yeah. They're not like yours, though. Tell me about yours. I know some of them, and I'm like kind of in awe. Well, uh, well, my my number one pre-show ritual is that I get to the theater two hours early, um, and uh, I can have the stage from 6 – the curtain goes up at 8, so from 6 to 6.30, I can have the stage because at 6.30, the stage hands come and start moving the sets around because, as you know, right. we have three sets. So at uh, for a half an hour or 20 minutes – I can begin my vocalization on stage, and then I walk throughout the theater. I learned this from Kristen Linklater, yeah, and uh, and uh, Natsumu, her one of her disciples, and they showed that, talked about the fact that if you go out into the theater and, and uh, walk among the seats and do your vocalization, you start to feel very comfortable within the space. The space isn't yeah. scary. You're not looking just at a black hole, right? And I always, I know some actors talk about the audience as this monster in the dark. Uh, I don't feel that way. I really have a love for the audience. I do too. And that's, yeah, that's it's definitely a, a part of my ritual. Exactly. A, so I, I, I have that. But I, I'm going to love this audience. I'm going to love doing this. And so that's one of my rituals is doing my vocalization half on stage and half in the theater and imagining the people in the seats and imagining them enjoying what the story we're going to tell. Yeah. And my other ritual is that I do a meditation um, for about 20 minutes before before uh, places. And I also like to have the um, sound box on in my room. I like to listen to the audience gather. Me it, too. It inspires me. Oh, yeah. And when we first got to that theater, I asked Ira, our, our stage manager, I said, you know, I can't hear the audience in the squawk box. He said, oh, well, they don't do that in this theater. I said, well, if it doesn't cost any money and it doesn't put anybody out, would it be okay if we could get it or if I could get it in my room if nobody else wants it? Because I really find it inspiring. I get excited when yes. I hear them come in yes. and then they get louder and louder. Yes. And every once in a while, you can hear a very specific sentence kind right. of rise up. Right. And I get excited and then I kind of can't wait to, exactly. to get out there. And Otherwise, it's just this, this, this silence, you know, and you don't have any yeah. – have any uh, connection to it. And also I think it's very ancient, you know. It's like 
the Romans and, and the Greeks and, and the American Indians. You know, the American Indians would sit around a fire and, and uh, somebody would tell the story. Yeah. And the other people would come and gather to yeah. hear the storyteller. Yeah. Well, that's really what we're doing. That's we're, what we're doing. We're telling and the story. And those are also the my favorite times in my life have been telling stories and literally around a fire. Right. You know, late at night. Yes. And somebody playing music. Right. Somebody else telling stories or telling jokes. I think that is – those are my happiest, happiest times. Absolutely. Well, yeah. that's why we love the theater. Yeah. And people always ask, well, why do you do theater and not this or not that? This is why. Because yeah. you really do have this, this, this sort of embrace in the dark with these people and you hear from them. God, are we you know? lucky? We're, We're so, so lucky, lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. Now, I'll, I, here's something that's interesting and I, and I think it's fun to talk about. Have, do you have a director horror story? You know what? I was going through this in my mind. Um, <laughs> And I'll tell you, the the horrible thing about it is this particular guy, I, I was, this is going to sound so terrible. I was so much smarter than he was. Oh, that's not so terrible. And I, knew, and I knew that he was wrong and we would do a scene and then he would say, and now I will move in for the two shot. Oh, now, this gosh. is a play. Okay. Right. Oh, a play. This is a play. <laughs> yeah. And this guy was just so clueless and inane and... Uh, the horror of it was that I didn't feel that I could really be strong in disagreeing. Right. And consequently, I lost my voice. Oh. And my husband at the time said, you lost your voice because you have so much to say that you won't say. That's right, say. because you didn't use it. Yeah. yeah. It was a bad wow. experience. But what, a, what a great is, experience, though. It was great. It also it taught me a lot. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's the lesson that I have now. to learn over and over and over again. But well, I've I, I never was in rehearsal had with you anybody. and you spoke up a lot. So obviously you did learn that I lesson. did eventually. But also yeah. in our rehearsal, there was so much that I had to take in. It was, it was really important for me to be on the soaking end of it. Of course. Rather than yeah, that. yeah. I mean that no, was – No, that's great. Yeah. But the fact is, is I feel like I've worked with some of the greatest – I mean truly greatest – stage directors that there are. Lucky you. Dan Sullivan and Gene Sachs and Scott Elliott and Mark Brokaw and Anna Shapiro. I mean, it it goes on and on. How great. Yeah. And this was one bad egg and his name was. What's your story? (laughs) My my story was uh, doing a television movie. I, uh, at the end of the movie, I had to shoot a journalist. That wasn't the bad part. The, (laughs) The scary part was I couldn't think of any sense, memory, person that I would want to shoot. Right. And I went through my whole life of every rotten person I had ever met. Well, you're and lucky. There, That's good. And there wasn't anybody that I'd want to shoot. So I had to really work on it. And I finally came up with something, not uh, not a person, but something that I would take a gun to. And... Uh, and I worked really hard on it. And you know how I work. I, mean, yeah. I meditated on it and yeah. I did all my work on it. And I came to the set and uh, they were setting up the lights and I sat down in the chair that I was going to be in when this man walked in and uh, when, the, when the reporter would walk in. And uh, I was really had myself in a state where I would be able to sincerely and believably release this trigger. 
And as I'm standing there, and, I, and the reason I went early to the set was because I didn't want to walk on and make this like a performance. I wanted to walk really be yeah. completely have it inside of me. Yeah. And so anyway, so I was there while they were moving around. And finally, everything was starting to come together and things were quieting down. And I, I had gotten myself to a place where I was really ready to to do this. And the director walked over to me and he whispered into my ear, not too weird. What? Yes. That's what he said. Not, not too, too weird. Because he saw me so focused and so concentrated. And once he did that, it was like so much seeped out of me. Oh, I, my I, I know. God. And I've seen the scene and it was it was good. Yeah. But I've always wondered, what would it have been if he hadn't pierced my balloon like that? For well, just first before. of all, just anticipating the fact that you're going to be weird, whatever I, that well, means. Well, let me does just mean, do it once. Does that mean don't be too real? Right, right. Or don't, don't be too what? It, who would know? <laughs> but uh, I think – and I've talked about that with a few director friends of mine. And they said every director worth his salt always allows an actor their first take. And you can always yeah. fix it. Just let them have that one. If they're that intense and that focused, right. it will be something. At least it will be the first impulse of the actor. Yes. And that's what I love about working with John Turturro and Elaine May and Woody Allen and Ethan yeah. Cohen. They seem to really make space for all of us you know, to, to, to do well, our best, sure. to come forward. I mean, Elaine, of course, we worked – you and I worked with John Turturro and Elaine on May on our play. And I always felt that there was plenty of room – for our creativity, and then they'd later come up to one of us and say, "You know, it'd be good if you, yeah. you know, did this or whatever yeah. it was. Brought yeah. it down, brought yeah. it up. We're yeah. more nervous. We're less nervous. Whatever it was. Yeah. Just, but, but after a while, you know, to give the actor a chance to see how they, how, they, how it's coming out of them, because you don't know what's going to come out. Right. And it's so important to have." The opportunity to do that. I'm. I feel so lucky that I've never worked with one of those dictators. But one guy, Marshall Mason, who, ugh, such a brilliant director from Circle Rep Company. Sure. He had everyone be off book for the scenes that. So you knew exactly which scenes you were going to be in. He was very scheduled, but you had to be off book for it, which was one of the greatest. I mean, for, I mean, everybody rebelled. It was just like, oh, God, please, how can we do this? And how can I – I can't learn it without, you know. You know where I'm standing and who I'm yeah. talking to, yeah. But you were up there on your first day of being on your feet, rehearsing the first scene with no book in your hand. He said, because otherwise, how can you have any impulses if you're – now, I kind of think you can have impulses. I do But too. that totally – it freed me up and it became the way that I try and work. You can't always do that. Right. But but it's kind of great mm. to learn something without making any big decisions. Right, right. And, and just freeing yourself up for, mm -hmm. of the script and just yes. sort of flying with something. I just love rehearsal. I'm always depressed when rehearsal's over. You know, me you know? too. And But that's a great thing about having a lot of previews. I thought our four weeks of previews were exciting oh, God, because you best. had so much time to say, oh, this would be a better way to do this. This would feel yes. better. This would go better with what Lisa's doing. Yes, and the that. audience is such a huge part huge. Of, our, of all three of these yeah. plays. It's oh, a yeah. huge oh, part. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, these are really severe comedies. Yes, they are. They're severe comedies. <laughs> they really are. Very strict comedies. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing thing for the audience, too, I think, to come to a theater and see three different kinds of comedy. 
That's totally different. You know, fascinating. Yes. I mean, Ethan's from was first, and then three Elaine's, and then completely different minds. Complete geniuses, too. Geniuses plays and last. comedic I geniuses. Mean, uh, and also, what I love about those three writers is that they come once a week to watch their play. Elaine comes once a week. Oh, I didn't know that. You really? didn't know they came once a week? <laughs> no. You're kidding. Oh. No, yeah, they come once a week. I just find oh, that amazing. Woody that was there just two nights ago, and Elaine and Ethan, I. That's I think that's incredible. great. You don't expect that because they're kind of big shots. Yeah, and they're finished. And, and they yeah. have other things to do. And Ethan yeah. just opened another play. Yeah. But I, I think that's wonderful. I'm, I'm very inspired by that as well. I yeah. find it inspiring when people make a real commitment to the work. Yeah, you know, and aren't just in it for the glory or the bucks or whatever. They, they could easily not watch come. their babies. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Do you have a, a, any question you want to ask me? God, I got to say, I started your book last night and oh. I was up all night and now I only have a little tiny chunk left and I was just like <laughs> – I'm very flattered that you're reading my book. Thank you. Oh my god. It's a real page turner. Thanks. I, You know what amazes me? This is what blows me away about you is that you have your fingers in so many pies. You not only show up every night and do this play, which is – you know, for you, I have to say it's – you really have to pull something off every night. You really do. And I see you do it and I'm – I mean that in itself. But I mean you write books. You have your website. You have all these interviews and I don't – it's all I can do to kind of preserve myself to go to the theater at night. I don't – and you also are such a great partier, <laughs> like a really fun partier after the show. That's what I want to know. I want to know how you do that. I uh, – that's an interesting thing, especially because on top of all that, I have St. Jude Children's Research. I know. Um, I mean the list is endless. I think I just enjoy each thing a lot. I really do. But are you like a really disciplined person? I mean, you say, okay, I'm going to carve this time out for this. Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I mean, do you? I feel overwhelmed a great deal. I feel oh, like, bad. oh my God, I didn't write this or I didn't edit that or I, I, I didn't eat yet or I, did, yeah. I have to have a nap. You know, I never leave the theater on matinee days. I just stay in my dressing room and sleep. Right. You know, I, I have my, I do some exercises in my dressing room and then I have my lunch in my dressing room and, and then I sleep for about two hours. Yeah, good. So I'm a napper. I'm a napper too. You know, so I yeah. take my naps. But I'm, I don't know. I, I, I've been like this since I was a child. I wake up and I'm ready to go. Okay, you know, that's I don't incredible. wake up slow. You know, people need yeah. coffee. Yeah. Like my husband can't think till he has his coffee. My yeah. dad was like that. I'm like my mother. My mother would roll over and pick up the phone and start her day. I'm kind of like that. I wake up like a little kid. I can't wait to get up and I've got 80 things I'm going to do right now and I have to be careful not to run myself out, Yes, you know, which yes. is what you're talking about. Yeah. You have to have some rest before the theater and I I think that's one of the reasons why I get to the theater two hours in advance. Yeah. That's my time to begin yes. to concentrate on playing my part. So I begin the first thing I get there and I do my vocalization and then I have a cup of soup yeah. and then I – you know, start to put on my makeup and, you know, nobody needs two hours to put on makeup. So those two hours are really me leaving Marlowe behind and, and getting into the part about, yes. about dare I say, the word artist. I mean, yes. dare, that's what we all feel. I mean, I know there are so many artists in our evening. Every one of those actors is, uh, I just 
I love listening to them over the Squawk Box, even in the place that we're not in. Me too. I love They're it. They're so good. I listen Grant, to Grant, who's in our play, and mm-hmm. Patricia O'Connell, who's in our play. Yeah. Just wonderful, wonderful actors. Yeah. And every one of them comes every night. Yeah. You know, just ready for it. So I think probably I've answered your question by understanding myself better, by saying I think it's those two hours yeah. that I give. I don't... I know some people come to the theater at 7.30. I could never do that. I do for this one. I do. I can't. Yeah, I'm not. That's a new thing for me because I have nothing really to do to get ready. I, I'm so schlumpy, which I kind of love. You know, yeah. I get to the theater, I put on my Jimmy Jams and right. kind of ready. Yeah. Have you ever had anybody say to you, oh, God, you know, how could it be so hard? You just, you know, you show up, you do your work for two hours a night and then you go home and it's kind of like, like, it, how can you explain to somebody that you have to save a little piece of yourself sort of ready for the night. You can't spend it all during the day. You have Absolutely. to hold something Well, I, you know, I, I don't think any actor would say that. No. You know, some Except people say, say to me, how do you learn all those lines? You know, they yeah, think know. that's yeah. the hard part. Yeah. And the hard part, I think, the, the exciting and hard part is the focus, the complete concentration. Yeah. You know, so that um, – that's what I think takes a tremendous amount of energy is to be completely focused, not distracted yes. by anything in your life or anything around you except yes. the complete moment-to-moment with you. That's why I love working with you. You're so present. I and do we, love And we that. have each yeah. other you know, to, 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 uh, to live with moment-to-moment. And yeah. the exciting thing too is you know, that the focus it takes to develop the character, you know, yeah. to create these people – that don't exist in the world. They're yeah. they're people that Elaine made up, and we embody. Yeah. And 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 we have to decide, uh, you know, through the re- rehearsal process, you know, who is this person? Yeah. And why does she behave this way? What does she need? What, you know, I think that that's one of the things I like about our play, and you should comment on this as well, is that. I have something I need, which is to to be with you, to stay over the night with you, yeah. to get comfort from you because my husband has died. And you, what is your need? My need is for you to get out of my house. <laughs> right. There's a great dynamic to play. And yet – The other is because? Because my husband is coming home. I've had a terrible argument right. with him. I don't really know you and yet – and I, I, I don't want company and it's late at night. And, and you're yet, so compassionate. She's built that in the, the yeah, character. Yeah, I can't say no to you. Right. It's, I play somebody who really can't quite say no. Which is another reason why your husband is mad at you. Because I can't say no can't to say my no. mother, to my brother. I just and, right. put and, myself And as he out says, there. in any needy millionaire that, that, exactly. that wants your time. That's, yeah. what, that's what's so exciting, I think, that Elaine wrote that. Yeah. These two people who need two opposite things. Yeah. And then they're stuck together. Yeah. Both of them with their needs. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, it it's is. a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's truly a beautifully constructed human I, play. Right. I, yeah. I when I first read the play, and about that, that Doreen's husband had just died within three hours. Mm. I thought, well, my God, I'm I'm going to be sobbing from the minute I walk on yeah, stage. How do you come on? With how that? do you come on? Just finding out that your husband died. Yeah, and uh, and the way she's written it, <laughs> this is a woman in. Con- Complete denial, which make, makes it funny right. until the end when she accepts it. Yeah, um, and that that again is just a, a stroke of genius as as a writer because it's. I mean, that's what I have to do, and 
you know, as Lee Strasberg used to say, you have to have it and then you have to cover it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. That's a interesting thing for kind of have a, for the way she's written it, it has a roadmap, an emotional roadmap. Yes. That you read it and you say, well, she can't be crying. Right. She's saying all these crazy things. She's not crying. Right. She's, she's, she's rearranging my magazine. She's rearranging your, your yeah. apartment and she's rearranging her brain and she's yeah. until she finally uh, has to to uh, accept it. How, how do you feel about the development of your character? When you read it, did you see? Uh, I did. I saw it. God, it's like she works with Legos. I mean, it, the, everything interlocks and it fits and it grows and, and one thing builds on top of another. I mean, I... Uh, and at first, I don't even want to answer the door, and I and I and then I I do, and I've just decided to. You need a cup of tea, and you need a little sympathy, and then you'll go, and then you don't go, and then you ask for more, and I never say no. And in my head, I'm saying, just say no, uh-huh. just say, she, you've got to go. I'm so sorry, you have to go, but I can't do it. Right. And so what happens is that I get madder and madder and madder at myself. And then I get madder and madder at you. And then Grant comes in and he puts all this stuff on me. He plays my husband. And I just feel completely overwhelmed. Sometimes when you get really mad at me, (laughs) it's so funny because I know that uh, Doreen, my character, can't notice it. You know, <laughs> because she keeps, asking me you, she keeps asking you for more things. That's right. So no matter what you do, you say, do you want to of this? And I go, okay, thank you so much. Oh, it's so cozy here. You know, she never notices know. anything. It's so it's cozy just, and shabby and nasty. Right. It just makes me laugh that, it's, I mean, I have to like, you know, not laugh at the fact that what you're doing is so real and, and you're so mad. But the beautiful thing is the way Elaine's got it is that as soon as I get to a point where I just think I'm going to explode, she has you doing something so charming and guileless and <laughs> childlike that it just diffuses. I feel like somebody mm-hmm. just pops a balloon in it and all the gas comes out, yeah. you know, until the next thing that I makes know. me furious. It's really, really fun yeah. to do. It's so great to work with good writers. It's yeah. so wonderful. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. And a good oh, director. Yeah. John is such a good director. I was excited to work with him because I, John Turturro, because he's such a great actor. I know. And I can't, I cannot I've been a huge his fan face of his. Quiz show. Oh my Quiz God. Show. He and, was and, so brilliant. And, and, uh, but what about the big Barton Lebowski? Bay and when, he's just playing, when he's just playing that bowler with a six inch tongue. Oh, <laughs> and he kisses Marlo, you, you gotta watch it. it it's is, just great. You'll he's die. Just, He's just and great. oh brother, where art thou? Suddenly he's this oh, I head know. from the south. I mean, now we just have a few minutes, so let's quickly. Darn. I think another question that everybody said they'd like to know is what was our first break, our first big break? Um, I would have to say my Linklater voice teacher telling me to leave school and go with him because they were starting a lab at Circle Rap. Oh, how great! And getting to work with Lanford Wilson and Marshall Mason, and then understudying Joan Allen and Burn This, and then. When she left, being given the role, which is kind of unheard of for an How understand. great. Yeah. Just say, okay, here, it's yours. How long did you get to play it? Over six months. It's how exciting. Yeah, it was That's a wonderful, exciting. wonderful play. It's a wonderful play. Wonderful. And I adore, loved Lanford and adore Marshall Mason. Yes. And my mentor who took me out of school and put me into circle. So right. great. So you didn't finish school then? 
Yeah, I finished college. Oh, this I was see. when I moved to New York. I went to Circle in the Square professional workshop. Oh, I see. It was a two-year program, but I left after a year to go oh, with Clyde. Right. Yeah. And yours? My, my, my first big – my big break was uh, auditioning for Mike Nichols for, <laughs> for Barefoot in the Park. I was living in Los Angeles and uh, – and my agent said, we got you an audition with Mike Nichols and St. Suba, the producer, and Neil Simon, the director. And uh, I, I was so thrilled. And I got to the theater and there was a line around the block. There were hundreds and hundreds of boys and girls, really. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, you know, I thought I had been chosen oh, for an audition, right? Right. And then a man came out and gave us each a number. That that would be our corresponding partner. Oh, you're kidding! This is like an open call. Uh, yeah, oh, it was an open, God. horrible thing. Anyway, um, we we did the scene. It was Marty Milner was the guy yeah. that I was put with. Remember, he he's in a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, 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 sure. And we'd never known each other. We were we, we were just two, two little nobodies. And anyway, so we got on stage and did it. And we talked to each other a little bit. You know, when we stood standing in line, and then we got in and. Um, and Mike Nichols jumped up on the stage and was very complimentary, gave us a little note, and then we did it again. And then the next day I was called back mm-hmm. and I came back and did something else. And then uh, – and I thought I was reading for the replacement of Elizabeth Ashley on Broadway, which is what I wanted more than anything right, to come to course. New York. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I get the call that I've got the job. I was so beside myself. I mean, I, <laughs> And it turned out I wasn't reading for that, that uh, her understudy – uh, Penny Fuller. I know was, Penny. Yeah, Penny yeah. Fuller was getting that job, which is the same as what happened to you. The understudy was getting the job, and Very what rare. I had, and what I had gotten was the London Company. Oh, can my you imagine? God. So I so I went. I went to London, and it was Kurt Kasner and Millie Natwick from the Broadway Company, right? And the wonderful Danny Massey played. Oh, the and Robert you got Redford. to be in London, and I got to be in London for a year. Oh my god! And I loved it. And one of the great things, and and to be chosen by Mike Nichols. In the, in, so early in my career was Especially just... Especially with hundreds of people hundreds. online around the block. I know. I know. It really meant so much to me because oh, I yeah. had a famous father and being in England where nobody knew him uh, because when I was doing summer stock and, and, and regional theater and all, all my reviews and interviews always said, she's the daughter of Danny Thomas. Will she be as good as Danny Thomas? Will she last oh, as long? Very and so forth. So to go to London and have them not know my dad... Yes. And be a success. Yeah. To be accepted. Yeah. Just meant everything to me. Of course it did. So yeah. it, it, it just it just started me off right. Yeah. Well, I think that they're giving us the 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 hook over there. Not so too bad. Well, I well this isn't goodbye for you and me. No, I'll, no, I'll see, I'll you, see soon. you tonight. <laughs> but uh, goodbye to everybody else, and thank you for inviting Bye. me and Lisa. We really enjoyed it. Great fun. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Our engineer for this program is Chad Bernhard. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Along with this program, all of the Wing's educational media programs are available online, on demand, for free from the AmericanTheaterWing.org. If you're a regular listener to Downstage Center, please remember that we are a not-for-profit organization and consider making a financial contribution to help support our work. Just visit the website and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theater Wing, I'm Heather Hitchens. Thanks for listening.